0: Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Berry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Uh, Episode 17, today we're gonna talk about using constraints to improve your creative output. We'll use examples from our own process. We'll use this podcast as an example, and uh, hopefully, we'll take some suggestions and other examples from the live listeners too. But got to start off with the classic: "How are you doing?" Red, yellow, green, Nathan.
1: It's in it, my yellowish green today. Uh, Hillary and I actually got out yesterday, uh, just us, which was great. And by "got out," I mean we got takeout and went to the park by ourselves. And I think we saw like five people total. It was interesting being in downtown Boise of like it being dead quiet. Uh, I was telling people earlier that there's like geese wandering the streets in downtown. And you're like, normally there'd be like 50 people going everywhere on the street. And and, uh, there was nothing going on, but it was nice to just be outside in the sun. It was like 65 degrees yesterday and uh, it was good. Um, Things are busy at work. That's anything driving any yellow is like, okay, we got to pull everything together. As we mentioned yesterday, like planning for the quarter and coordinating all the projects and all of that. We're doing a pretty good job, but every time we're like, we'll do better next time. And better that I pictured is, well, better than we're currently doing this time. So we're in that spot again.
0: Yep, yep, we totally are. What about you? Uh, I would say I'm green. Uh, despite not being, we're kind of like perfectionists or we have very high standards for ourselves. if we're not perfectionists. And um, despite the fact that we are not meeting our very high standards, we have had two very high quality conversations. Uh, Every Wednesday, we have our leadership team meeting. There are seven of us on that call, each of the directors of the teams, you and I, and then your executive assistant. And um, last week we had a conversation looking back on the first quarter of the year And this week we had a conversation about our goals across teams and how they overlap. And they've just been the kind of quality conversation that I really hope for in those meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's really, really encouraging. Wednesdays are big meeting days for both you and I. I think you said you'll have like 12 meetings by the time the day's over. I think I will have had seven. I think mine are a little bit longer format maybe than yours. But uh, anyways, that always means that Wednesdays end up feeling like very long days. But it's nice to take a little break to... uh, Keep talking, but also publish something publicly instead of just behind closed doors.
1: Yeah. And well, one reason that we do that is consolidate on certain days so that we have, I guess it's sort of this maker versus manager schedule. And we put a lot of our management meetings, you know, one-on-ones with the direct reports, all that on Wednesdays so that we have days like Mondays and Tuesdays that like Tuesdays in particular that are just wide open, like just open calendar, lots of time to create you know, explore new ideas and all of that. And it has the downside of like, okay, well then that has to go somewhere else. And Wednesdays are the days that are a little crazy.
0: Yep. Totally. I'm uh, going to post the maker versus manager article from Paul Graham in the chat. If you never read that, it's a good one. All right. Why don't you uh, just kind of like introduce this topic and where it came from? Cause it a little bit came out of our conversation yesterday on leverage yeah. and just realizing how, uh, how this podcast
1: has been for us. Yeah. So our topic is on using constraints to force you to publish, because I think what, well, how it started is we made the comment as we've made actually a few times over the last couple of weeks of running this podcast is that we really enjoy having created this podcast and we enjoy it live and all of that. And it takes a very long time to actually get started doing that. We've talked about this for a long time. And then we've also talked about our other podcast, which is uh, coming out soon. that will be a deep dive on how we run ConvertKit and, you know, really for a more uh, advanced audience, you know, it's about scaling a SaaS company to millions of dollars in revenue. And uh, we've been recording episodes for that sometimes after an episode for that. So we'll just roll right into the next recording. And it's one of those things where we realize we've to do this forever. And it actually just took the constraint of, showing up live, putting a time and a date, making a daily show. And now we're actually doing it and it's happening. And so we realize that those constraints are what tips it over from, I would like to create this thing. I would like to be the kind of person who creates on a consistent basis to, I actually do that. I actually am that kind of person. So we have a bunch of ideas on what actually makes, like what are good constraints, but that's where the topic came from.
0: Yeah. And I think um, part of it too is us having a conversation about The reality that you're not going to get as many listeners live as you do with the recording, you know, when people can find it in iTunes and their searchability on the topics or they come to it later or whatever. And in some ways, we've said that there's probably an optimal number of people watching live that's somewhere between, I don't know, 50 and 150 or something like that. Where there's enough that the chat's active, you know, you can get some examples from the audience, you get that engagement factor, but it's also not so many that it's overwhelming and that people can't keep, keep up and things like that. Whereas on the recorded side, having 10,000 or 20,000 or a hundred thousand listeners for every episode is great. And that goes back to the leverage thing that we were talking about yesterday. And so do we need to be live to get the leverage? No, unless it creates a constraint that forces us to show up every day. And so as long as there's enough of a live audience where we feel like someone, as Seth Godin puts it, someone will miss you if you don't show up, Mm -hmm. that forces us into a situation in a very positive way to say, yeah, we got a job to do noon every day or for you one every day. And um, it creates a situation where it's like, we don't, we don't have to question when we create, we know exactly when we create and we do it without fail day after day after
1: day. Yeah. And it reminds me of that, that quote, and I can't remember who it is of, Somebody, some famous author saying, I only write when I feel inspired. I just happen to be inspired every day at 9 a.m. when I sit down at my desk. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) You know, and it's, you're setting up that constraint and some days are going to be better than others. Some podcast episodes will be better than others, but you know, when you show up to create, you build that habit and everything else. So there's a bunch of crazy ideas of how you could force yourself to create. We'll run through some of those and we'll get some more principles and all that. But I'm going to start off with probably the craziest one that I've ever done or that was most effective for me. And you know how sometimes you make a commitment. You're like, I'm going to publish a blog post every Monday. And then you realize if I really meant that, I would have a different system in place. And so last year, I was pretty consistent with publishing on my blog for quite a while. It eventually dropped off, but I would like to keep doing that. And now I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I actually meant that, this is what I would do. because is what I've done in the past. Go on your WordPress site or wherever you're publishing and schedule posts in advance. Say, like six weeks out, you know what the post title is going to be. You brainstormed a bunch of ideas in your journal, you uh, wrote them down. Well, schedule them. So, Monday at 9 a.m., this is what's going out. The following week, this is what's going out, et cetera. Here's the deal these posts aren't written yet. And what I would do when I did this was I knew that I had to write that post before the schedule date happened, because otherwise, an incomplete post was going to go live. And people would be like, you know, get their RSS notification. And be like, uh, did you, did you mean to publish this? And so I would I always had that of like, okay, I have to get this done. And it was this constraint. Sometimes I would sit down and write a post and go, you know what? That's not the post for this week. And I'd swap it with another one that was shorter, simpler, and easier to get going. But really what I was going with is I would be embarrassed in front of my audience. If I didn't show up consistently and I made sure that happened. And so they may not notice that there should have been a post at 9am, but they would definitely notice if there was an incomplete post at 9am.
0: Yeah. I like that. One thing that I found interesting for me is that writing is different for me than podcasting podcasting. There's a time to show up. I have you that I, if it were me just podcasting solo, maybe it would actually be similar to writing, but because you're going to be here too, that changes it for me with writing. What I have found and that I've always had a struggle getting past is the act of publishing is the part that motivates me. The getting to hit done by making it public Mm -hmm. is really motivating and keeps me in the flow. And the times when I've been most prolific with my writing are when I am writing and publishing every single day because it's a habit. I know every day that I am going to publish something and there's something about the accountability of that that really drives me. And there's something of a uh, lack of professionalism in that as well, because a professional shouldn't need to publish and in, in my head, at least, should not need to publish just to write. And some of the best writing can't be done in a single day. Right. And so there was a mastermind retreat that we were on actually. I'll never forget it. I had been writing every day for like six months. And James Clear, thanks, James, said something <laughs> like,
1: Some, some shout outs are positive. Some are not.
0: Yeah. Uh, We were talking about why I was writing, what the goal was building an audience. Um, The fact that, you know, I had kind of had Seth Godin as my model. He believes that we should all write something every day because we all have ideas every day. And um, he said, well, the thing about Seth and Seth will say this too, is that he had a fast company article for years that helped him build an audience. He had these other outlets where audience growth came from. Daily publishing is a way to keep that audience engaged. He already had enough people paying attention by the time he started publishing daily that he didn't need the audience to grow. And so, whatever the audience did from there was fine. And it's continued to grow because now he's just the guy who publishes every day and everyone reads him for that reason. But for me, at the time, I was looking to grow my audience. And daily publishing is not a good way to do that, it doesn't have staying power. It's not searchable because there's not enough content there really for someone to get an answer to a question in detail. It's a big barrier to say that I trust you enough to read your stuff every day and to sign up for that. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up in this situation where James was saying, all you're getting is the act of publishing. You're not growing your right. an audience. And if your goal is to grow your audience, you should write every day and publish when you have something worth saying. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's brilliant. That day I stopped publishing every day. And I will never change my mind about the fact that I would rather have written every day since then, than done what I did instead, which is not right very much at all. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think that the writing every day is good. What would be better is if I could write every day and publish as often as I had something really meaningful and deep to share. But the next best thing I think is just hitting publish every day on whatever you can get out, because I think it's better to create every day, which is one of our core values at ConvertKit than yeah. it is to have it aspiration to something else that you don't follow through on.
1: Yeah. So that's interesting to me because one, it was really well-intentioned advice and it was accurate advice right. for, I guess, even for that circumstance and potentially even for you, right? You asked, how do I get more people f- to this, um, you know, this work that I'm creating and James was like, well, you have to have longer form, meaningful content that you're able to put time into promoting. And you can't really do that unless it is your full-time thing publishing every single day. And so what we didn't pick up on was the fact that this was the constraint that was getting you to show up creatively. It wasn't the writing every day. It was the publishing every day. And now that we know both of those things, right, we could design like these are two constraints. And I am the biggest fan of constraints. It drives the team crazy, you know, but I love constraints uh, as they come into creative thinking. But if we know that these are the two constraints that we're working with, then we could design a system uh, potentially that meets both of those. Where, for example, I'm imagining a a blog design where there's the daily posts and you can see them. There's the feed of the daily posts and there's Seth Godin style. Like some of them are two sentences. Some of them are 500 words, but it's just like great thoughts every day for Barrett. And then once a week, there's this meaningful post that maybe sums up some of these ideas that got framed over time or, or that kind of thing. And so once we know we identify the traits about ourselves then we design constraints around those traits then we can come up with a system that's going to really play to our strengths
0: yeah exactly and and for me what i what i've learned about myself is that writing is how i process ideas now do i have to publish all of them no a lot of people would say i don't but what i'm saying is my constraint of publishing makes me do the work mm-hmm. and so like this week i published a post about this research paper i mentioned that i read on answering unanswered callings in your work and Because of the constraint of publishing, I think I did the writing that allowed me to process my thinking around that paper and to kind of summarize what I learned. And so what I get out of that is from my daily posts, from the research papers I summarize, whatever, it's like showing my work in public. Mm -hmm. It's working in public, which is another one of our values. And when those things aggregate, I can make something really meaningful. I can write a book off of that. I can write a super in-depth post off of that. But without the Earlier stages, the quick ideas, the research summaries, the whatevers, I can't get to the bigger ones because I don't process them properly when they're all just sitting in my head. I consume too much stuff for it to work like that. And so, publishing is a constraint for me, I guess, would be the summary of all of that. And you need to think about what the ones are for
1: you, too. Right. I'm even thinking about that because it made me think of if it was Barrett's public journal versus Barrett's essays, and they're both public because I'm thinking about the big project that I should be working on right now. Is uh, finishing this book that's tentatively called Create Every Day, and I'm really close on finishing the proposal, but I really just need to write more of the book in order to shape some more of what's in the proposal. And I actually got an email from my agent Lisa yesterday saying, "Like, hey, I think about your book every day." Like, so Lisa, if you're listening, <laughs> I think about the book every day as well. And uh, you know, I'm realizing that I can write the book in all these tiny chunks. And what would be really helpful to force me to make progress on this book because it's not a problem of a lack of desire, right? We very much want to be prolific creators. We want to get this stuff out there. And so I very much want to publish this book and, and uh, get the proposal off and everything. But what would help is to have that public journal where I say like, okay, I'm going to write this, this book in a hundred short posts. And then it like like later, it's different part of the process. I'll edit it together and just go from there. I love that. And Okay. All right. I'm going to actually commit to doing that. I think that this is where it would go anyway, but I have to commit to a live on air. So I will set up a place where it is my daily journal. I'll have it for tomorrow's episode. I don't know what it'll be. Maybe it'll just be like a a public notion page or something like Mm -hmm. that where you can just see. And I will publish some amount, even if it's three sentences towards this book every day. And then I'll have that public accountability. I like it. I mean, that's what I did on my site is I have
0: just two categories. I have a category for daily. I have a category for essays Hmm. and I think about them differently in terms of who I, well, why I'm publishing them. And ideally if I were in this habit and now I'm thinking like, maybe I'd get back in it. Maybe I just use these conversations as inspiration for my daily writing. um, So I'm repurposing. I know that different people want those things from me. Someone just wants a habit of reading it every day. Other people Mm -hmm. want the long form, like give me the meaty stuff. But to go back to the Seth Godin thing, here's what's interesting to me. I don't know this. I don't. This is not anything that I've learned from him personally or anything like that. But when I read his books, if you notice they are in chapters, but they're also in little sections that are about the length of a daily blog post. Yep. And so I wonder if he writes in those sections hmm. of like, this is the length of a thought, but then they're thematic and they come together into a chapter that makes up this broader concept He's one of the only people I've ever seen be able to really pull that off. I mean, he's one of a kind, but it is an interesting tactic. And if you used a different editing strategy, that would be a constraint that could, like you're saying, allow you to piecemeal a book together and then go back and do the editing process where you tie it all into one cohesive story.
1: Yeah, I like that. And because I think, well, that's another good thing in the creative process, right? Is to separate creating from editing, because when you're trying to do both at the same time, that's really hard. So, you know, one thing that I just committed to is basically to keep creating and then later as a separate part, come in and go, okay, but how does that actually fit into the elements of this book? The other thing that it did as far as a constraint is I lowered the standards. There's a famous quote that I wish I could remember who all these quotes are from, but we'll look it up. Uh, but basically is when you hit writer's block, lower your standards and keep going. And I think that's the thing we're trying to get it perfect. And so we end up not doing anything. Well, instead it would be to get a version out there and then iterate on it, right? The version that might go out as a blog post, it's not nearly as polished and refined as the version that's going to go out in a book. You know, that's true for me. That's for sure true for Seth Godin. Also makes me think of like the guys from Basecamp who wrote Rework. A lot of their stuff is short, actionable, like how do I convey this idea in the fewest number of words? And then all that compiled into a book. And, uh, you know, for sure that their first draft of that is not what made it into the book, even though it feels like, wow, you came out with this incredible writing, just, you know, right from the get go. And it's like, no, 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 that's gone through 10 rounds of edits, but they were able to get the first idea out there on their blog and then refine it later.
0: Yeah. And here's what I like about this. Uh, The other constraint here of does this need an editor does this deserve an editor? Is a daily post is I'm I'm saying up front, look, this is an unrefined thought I'm playing with is essentially what I'm saying. And what I'm mm-hmm. getting from it is the constraint of publishing. But when I publish an essay, if I'm going to separate those out, an essay better be really high quality, it better be a complete thought, it better share something unique with you that you didn't already know, and it should be edited. Mm-hmm. And so what I get from both angles is I can publish daily and get that kind of like little hit of dopamine, but then I can publish irregularly with an essay and say, now this one punches above its weight. It's edited. I shared it with friends. I got feedback and I didn't have to let go of my publishing thing over here to get that. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. That's good. Another tactic we've seen people use, uh, James Clear did this famously for years and this led to very large book advance for him, for his first ever book, uh, with the traditional publisher. He said every Tuesday and Thursday, I will publish a blog post mm-hmm. and pretty much without fail. I don't know how many years it went, but it was years that without fail, maybe a holiday or something like that he skipped, but basically without fail, he published. And by doing that, and in his unique style, that was kind of like, here's this fascinating story you probably haven't heard before. Here's a principle it highlights. Here's how you can apply it to your own life. That was basically his formula every Tuesday and Thursday, mm-hmm. how he uncovered that many fascinating little Clips of stories. I don't know. I'm still fascinated by that.
1: Well, we could do a whole episode on research systems and
0: yes, all and of we that. should actually. But that built his audience. He knew how to build an audience, and we talked about tactics for promoting content and all mm-hmm. of that. But he started at ground zero with JamesClear.com writing. He got rid of all of his old audience and started over, just like we suggested on the episode, the Q and A episode about should I email people from three years ago? Right, and he published every Tuesday, Thursday as his constraint. And that then gave him three other days. And he's a full-time writer. So, you know, you have to take that into account to promote, to republish, to do all of the other stuff that his business entailed. That worked for him too. And so it doesn't have to be daily either. It just has to be intentioned. And that Mm. creates the constraint.
1: That's really good. Um, Another technique that I've uh, used, learned it from Chris Gillibo, is to just build the streak, build a habit of doing something every day I had this goal for a long time of writing a thousand words a day and I built my entire audience by writing a thousand words a day for just over 600 days in a row. It took like actually getting shingles and, you know, being on painkillers and everything from that to actually end that streak. But that's, that was the most prolific writing time of my career. And at that time I wrote three books, built an audience, uh, you know, built an email list to over 20,000 people, um, all this stuff by showing up consistently. And I've always encouraged people, right? Maybe that constraint isn't going to be on the publishing side, but at least set that constraint on the creating side of like, I'm going to show up and create every day. Even if it's, I'm going to write 25 words or a hundred words, you know, just something there to force yourself to sit down and do it.
0: Yeah. The way I've heard some people talk about this is the Seinfeld strategy. I shared a, a post in the the chat here on that from James Clear, but Chase Reeves, who I used to work with talks about this too. And the idea mm. was, and you created an app off of this actually, uh, a while back, and maybe we shouldn't talk about it since it's not really active anymore. It's not, but,
1: but there's an app called Streaks that does the same thing. Okay,
0: all right. And the idea was that Seinfeld put a calendar on his wall. And the whole point of the calendar was to cross off every day. I think that he practiced a joke or that he made a new joke, something like that. And this was how he says he got good at telling jokes, was that if he just made a new one every day and shared it with someone to see if they would laugh, that he would eventually find funny jokes that he could then mm-hmm. tell from stage. And the longer the streak was, the more jokes that he knew. And so what he was defining was the inputs to the process that get the outputs of being able to put a set together. And there's something to our rhythms. Daily resonates with a lot of people because we are synchronous animals, basically. Mm -hmm. We synchronize with the sun and we have habits that we do every day. And I think that it's a very natural process to go through just doing the same things on repeat. We want that kind of routine in our lives. And it takes a lot more discipline, in my opinion, to do something irregularly than to do it regularly. It takes a lot more discipline to do something irregularly than regularly. Uh, And so some of what you're trying to do by creating constraints is to establish the regularity of the habit so that it's not a question of when do I do this? It's a predefined characteristic of the activity.
1: Yeah. So, and I think establishing those two things, right. Cause we're talking about create, having a constraint. So now we want to establish when and where. So for example, and I talked a week or two ago about the pull-up bar that I got and I hung it up in my garage where I have to walk. If I'm going to go from my guest house office where I am now in to see the rest of the family in the house, I have to walk past this pull-up bar and I do at least 10 pull-ups every time I walk past it. And so I've went from like, how am I going to actually work out now that I can't go to the gym to like yesterday I did 80 pull-ups because I walked past it a lot of times, you know? And so that defines, okay, this is the habit, this is where it takes place and this is when it's going to happen. So instead of, you know, me saying, okay, I'm going to work on this book every day, right? As I say, I'm going to do that under pressure. So now I need to define when I'm going to do it and where. And so it might be that I make my morning tea and I sit down with my laptop on the couch for 15 minutes every morning at seven. And I- write a little bit of that or something. It could be the thing I do at the end of the day. It could be the thing I do after this podcast, whatever. But I define when it's going to happen and where it's going to happen. And I put it on the calendar and then it will actually like increase that likelihood of success.
0: Yeah. I love that. The last little tip here in terms of uh, applying constraints is accountability. I think there's something really valuable about having either an accountability partner or a group of people that hold you accountable. That's where the idea for a mastermind group came from, or the value in a mastermind group is derived from. Mm -hmm. So you have this built-in accountability. And so I think having someone, the ideal would be that you would have readers who would email you on a day that you didn't write or viewers who would say something when you didn't publish or people who missed the album when it didn't come out, whatever it is, and they would hold you accountable in the absence of that. Or in addition to that designating someone as that person for you, Hey, I am going to publish every Tuesday, Thursday. Will you text me when I don't Mm -hmm. now that's a lot of responsibility. They have to care a lot about your work and about you. But I think we all have at least one person who can do some version of that for us. Even better though, and Tim Ferriss talks about this in um, The 4-Hour Chef, is having a negative consequence for not doing what you say you're going to do. And so what he recommends, or one thing he proposes, is that, I can't remember the app or the site, there's a site where you can essentially wager a number of dollars Mm -hmm. that will be donated to a cause you don't believe in if you don't do what you say you're going to do. And it gives someone else the control to say, ah, they didn't do it the money goes away. Um, so that's an interesting, creating a negative consequence. And Brendan in the chat shared this earlier too, where if you wrote something you didn't want people to see in your draft that's gonna go out in the RSS feed, you would be even more motivated to make sure that people did not get that version of it. So anyways, that's another interesting tactic here. Accountability can really help you maintain the constraint.
1: Yep, that's good. Find somebody to help do that. All right, let's transition. Barrett, you have a, a transition for us? Boo, boo doo boo do 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 creator of the day. Oh, it's a different jingle. I like it. <laughs> uh, my creator of the day is uh, Matt Diavella. So he's a YouTuber, filmmaker. If you guys have ever seen the documentary, The Minimalists on Netflix, uh, he shot that. And he has absolutely blown up on YouTube in the last year and a half. I think two years ago, he had like a thousand subscribers on YouTube. And, and I'm just looking, last time I looked, he had like 1.4 million. And now it's almost double that. Uh, but he just puts out amazing high quality content, basically mini films rather than more of the like vlog style or something like that. So uh, if you were to check out a few of his things, watch A Day in the Life of the Minimalist. And then he does these 30 day experiments, uh, which I think are really fun. So check him out on YouTube. Matt Diavella. Love it.
0: Uh, my creator of the day is Jeff Sheldon of Monk. Ugmonk makes delightful little physical objects for your office and home. Uh, Oh, look, James Clear's book is right there. I I swear it's not all like incestuous or anything. We just happen to have a lot of the same friends that like each other. Um, Anyways, the fun thing about running a company like this, by the way, is that you get to know so many cool creators. I mean, it's one of the most delightful aspects of our work is we get to personally know all of the, like most of the people we've recommended as creators of the day are people we have spent time with. Mm -hmm. Anyways, side note. So anyways, he's got all of these cool uh, like desk organizers, mouse pads. You've got the notebook there, uh, kettle. Um, if you love well-designed, thoughtful, essentialist goods, Ugmonk is a great place to get them.
1: Yep. It's fantastic. I've got the mouse pad. I've got the shirts. I've got a bunch of the stuff. So yep. Jeff does great stuff. Okay. My resource of the day, we already talked about it a little bit, uh, but it's the Streaks app, Streaksactapp.com. So this is very similar to the app that I did like eight or nine years ago called Commit, but they've added a bunch more features. And so basically you can build a habit that you're going to do every day, you know, of get out and walk the dog. I would put, which I'm going to after this, uh, as I start using it again, you know, uh, work out and exercise, and then also, you know, write towards the book that I'm coming out with. So, and have that in there. You can check it off every day. It'll give you stats, everything else. Somebody complained one time when I recommended this, that it cost money. And they were like, oh, it costs money. Like where's the free version? I think it costs like $4 or something. And so I would say, spend the money. Like spend the couple of dollars and your habits worth it. Okay, it's $4.99. Spend the $4.99, build a habit, make it happen.
0: And remember, for a lot of these things, there's a creator on the other end of it. You know, sometimes we want to save our money and everything, but the way we avoid the concentration of, wealth in unnatural ways is by buying from small time people who might have to charge a little bit more. And that might mean we have to be more intentional with our, this made my thought of the day. You might have to be more intentional with the way you budget your money in order to buy from the small time creators or the people just getting started or the people who are good at one thing instead of a million things. But I believe that local economies and local economies meaning Uh, The internet creates different communities. It's not geography based, it's interest based. And so I'm going to call local interest based economies being the future. I think that can help us power this creative world that we believe is going to continue to come to life as more menial jobs get automated and more people have time for creative outlets. You've got to prioritize your spend and spend your money where you don't have to. I believe that the world mm-hmm. becomes better when we focus spending our money on the things we believe in and the people we believe in. And so when you have an app like this from a creator that might cost five bucks and there might be a free version somewhere else, choose to spend the money with the person who you want to continue to exist and to continue to be in business. Cause that can go a long way. That's good. All right. Do you have
1: a resource? Are you ending there?
0: I do, but now it's like I had this inspirational okay. thought and I'll do it tomorrow.
1: That's good. Oh, um, one, one quick thing. Yeah. Are you going to say the same thing? That I'm, I'm going to say, say the same
0: thing that you're going to say. Okay. You get it. You get it. You say it. <laughs> oh man. So it turns out when you do a daily podcast, there comes a time when you realize I got to take a vacation at some point and that screws up this daily podcast thing. So I am taking two vacation days tomorrow. I'm doing that or tomorrow and Friday. That is because the sun is going to be out in Portland and I want to get outside. I want to spend some time with my kid, just kind of take a break from a sp- putting in a lot of time recently to get the company in good shape. And as a result of that, we are going to test something out where we have a different co-host on days that one or both of us maybe sometimes are out. So you're going to hear from two different co-hosts tomorrow and Friday or in the next two episodes, if you're listening, not live. So episodes 18 and 19, will have different co-hosts. And I think that'll be a ton of fun. I think it'll expose some of our teammates and give you a different voice to listen to.
1: Yeah. So I'll be there tomorrow along with Alexis Miller, who runs our affiliate program at ConvertKit. We're going to be talking about uh, creating from a place of vulnerability and transparency and the impact that has. And then on Friday, uh, we'll do Q&A, Q&A Friday with Corey Miller, who uh, is our front end developer on the marketing team. And he's an avid podcaster as well. So you'll get to hear a couple different voices and uh, it'll be fun. And then I think over the course of the next few weeks, you know, we'll bring in Uh, every four or five episodes, we'll bring in uh, a new co-host because sometimes I might not be available, you know?
0: That's true. I am coming back next week though. So don't get too used to it. (laughs) All right.
1: (laughs) Uh, We'll see. We'll see, Barrett. If you want to save your spot, you got to show up. So I don't know. All right. That's it for today's episode. Have a great day and uh, find some constraints to get you creating. Bye y'all. See ya.
0: Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.